Happy Halloween and welcome to the seventh segment of KALA This Week. I'm your host, Bailey Winfrey. This past week, we held the KALA and K9s event, which you will hear about later in the show. Jumping forward to Monday, up at the radio station, we will be holding the KALA Halloween Walk from 11 to 3. Today, we will hear from Anna, McKenna, Abby, Sierra, and Ryan. Let's jump into the first story. Hi guys, this is McKenna Verdon on KALA This Week. I'm here from Sam, who is the Government Operations Director of Be The Difference Day. Hi Sam. Hi. What is Be The Difference Day? Uh, so, Be The Difference Day is a big service event that we host yearly. Uh, this year, it will be on November 6th. We are having different teams go out and do different service, um, specifically yard work. Raking leaves is the biggest thing. Um, they go around the St. Ambrose community and do any type of service they would want. So what do you guys do on Be The Difference Day? What, what is all the events you guys have? Uh, so the big thing on the day is any type of yard work. Uh, so raking leaves is the big thing, but we do have other clubs and sports teams that do their own type of service. So specifically Green Life is going and doing a litter cleanup and cleaning out the veggie garden. So any club can do their own thing, but the main thing is going around the community and helping any neighbors. Definitely. But why do you guys do this? Um, so service is just one of the big things that St. Ambrose is obviously committed to and student government wants to participate and help as much as they can. Um, so specifically the government operations committee and student government plans this yearly um, and all the neighbors have been enjoying it throughout the years and the students love participating as well as we have over 600 volunteers so far. Definitely. Is there any way they can sign up still? Uh, so we still accept any signups. There should have been an email going out and it's also in the waggle. Um, we can't guarantee that a shirt will be given, but there's still a chance to sign up and do their own service event if that's what they want as well. Definitely. How many years have you guys been doing Be The Difference Day? From my knowledge, it's been since 2006, so it's been a really, really long time, nice. and it's, I've seen it grow throughout the years that I've been here. So Nice. Are there any, like, what, have, what has changed over the years? So this year, we are also doing a Kids, Kids Against Hunger food packing, so it's just another type of service volunteer event that we do. Um, so I'm assuming throughout the years, again, there will be other uh, chances to participate in service, but um, it's definitely grown. Just the numbers from my first year, there was only 100 and something students, and this year it's been over 600, and we have a lot of more faculty and staff involved as well. Definitely. Are there any new plans at all, like for the next, for the upcoming years? Um, so I'm graduating this year, so I'm not going to be able to see the changes, but I've done it the past years that I've been on student government, so there's so many new students uh, this year as well as the last previous years, so I know they have great ideas. And since this year, we also participated um, with Amy Novak to get this like indoor food packing. I'm sure there'll be some more plans throughout the years. Definitely, definitely. So how important is community outreach for Be The Difference Day? Um, so we've always gotten thank you notes. We've gotten students come back and saying how much the neighbors really appreciated them. So they know that this is student organized and they really appreciate it. And as well, any students that go, some of them request a specific sports team if they're participating so they're all super thankful that you know some students are able to help them in whatever they can especially how some of them can't rake their own leaves or do their own type of yard work so they're always super thankful oh, definitely that sounds amazing thank you very much sam this is mckenna verdon on kala this week
Hola a todos! This week on CC's Stress-Free Recipe, I am going to teach you guys how to make sopa de lentejas, which is lentil soup. Every family in Spain has its own version of lentil soup, sopa de lentejas, but this recipe is the most classical way to prepare it. Sopa de lentejas usually is enjoyed as a first course for lunch, as many Spaniards consider beans too heavy for dinner. This definitely makes sense since most Spaniards eat dinner very late, between 9 and 11 p.m. Also, it is typical to eat this soup throughout the winter and even into the season of Lent by simply erasing the pork meat. With that being said, I wanted to clarify the lighthearted nature of my recipes being a cure for diseases around campus. It is a very lighthearted comment and you should seek medical professional help if you are dealing with an illness. These recipes are not the cure for anything except your hunger. Please email me at kala at sau.edu if you found these recipes helpful during the winter. Moving forward, I am not going to say these recipes are a cure for any disease spreading around campus. However, I will say these recipes are nutritious and hearty, especially for the winter season. So please seek a medical professional if you are dealing with an illness. Now, for the ingredients you'll need. One pound of dry lentils, five medium potatoes, peeled and cut into one inch cubes, two carrots, trimmed, peeled and cut into one half inch cubes, two celery ribs, medium dice, three garlic cloves minced, four boneless pork loin chops cut into one inch chunks, two links Spanish chorizo cut into one half inch chunks, two tablespoons Spanish virgin olive oil, or just any olive oil, a quarter teaspoon ground cumin, kosher salt to taste, and freshly ground black pepper to taste. First, gather your ingredients and make sure the lentils are soaked for one hour before proceeding with the recipe. So plan accordingly. Begin by sorting through lentils to remove any debris or rocks. Rinse dry lentils under cold water. Place the lentils into a medium saucepan and cover with water. Soak lentils for the hour. Pour olive oil into a large pot over medium heat. When oil is hot, add vegetables and cumin and saute for three to five minutes. Add the pork and chorizo and saute for three more minutes, making sure the meat does not stick. Add just enough water to the pot to completely cover the vegetables and meat. Bring the water to a boil. Drain the lentils and add to the pot. Bring the liquid back to a boil, reduce the heat, and simmer until the lentils are cooked for about an hour. Check the pot every 15 to 20 minutes, though. Add additional water if or when you need it. When the lentils are fully cooked, season the soup with salt and pepper to taste. Finally, serve in bowls with rustic bread on the side. Thank you so much for listening to CC's Stress-Free Recipe on Sopa de Lentajes Lentil Soup. I hope you enjoy this soup during the very cold and chilly winter season. I'll be back next week with another recipe to combat the winter season. Hey guys, this is Abby Varkalis, and welcome back for another horror movie review. So this past Tuesday, I just watched this movie called Barbarian, and I was really intrigued because it is relatively new, and I thought, okay, I need kind of like a little comeback since the Smile movie. I needed something else. So this movie came out on September 9th, 2022, and weirdly, I just found out about it. I don't know how that happened. I'm always staying on top of scary movies and everything, so that was definitely different for me. It, um, If you want to watch it, it's now on HBO. HBO Max. It's been there since October 25th, so just recently. 
It's about an hour and 45 minutes, so not that long. Um, and it's also 92% on Rotten Tomatoes, so it has gotten pretty great reviews besides my review. <laughs> so um, the stars, you may recognize one of them, at least I did. His name is Bill Skarsgård, and he played it. Um, he played the clown on uh, the movie It. So he's definitely someone that you might recognize. I mean, he had a lot of makeup on in the It movie, but... If you see his eyes, you may recognize him. And also Zach Kreger, Georgina Campbell, and Justin Long. And I don't recognize any of those names. I've looked up the past movies they've been in, and I just I couldn't find any that I recognize. So but maybe if you watch it, maybe you'll recognize some of them. So the LA Times described this movie, and they said that one word title looms large over Barbarian, one of the most delightfully twisted horror films of 2022 in which a woman named Tess, which is played by Georgina Campbell, stumbles into a nightmare when she finds her rental house already occupied by a stranger. So without any spoilers, I'm going to try to try my best to explain this movie. So basically this woman, she knocks on her new house, like her door, and when she walks in, she realizes that someone else lives here. And he's shocked and he's surprised and he's kind of asking her, what are you doing here? And she replies with, well, this is my house. I just bought this house. So he's confused. He doesn't understand. He's lived there for a long time. And they're around the same age. And so he kind of makes her feel at home. And she grabs the phone and she's starting to call her realtor and her insurance and asking them what happened and why someone is in her new house. So they can't really figure out why. So the guy just kind of makes her feel at home and she stays over there overnight. And during the nighttime, she is hearing weird things. She wakes up and then she kind of just brushes it off. But then there is one night where she does find something and it relates to a basement. So without any spoilers, I will say that. And also barbarian, it also means monster. So the monster is the mother. And I'm not going to explain what that means or what this mother looks like you will definitely have to figure out for yourself if you watch it and it's kind of a game of will they survive in the end like what's going to happen what does this monster want from them besides just killing them basically um or if if it wants to kill them like what would it want and that's kind of something that you have to that you're thinking about during the throughout the course of the movie so personally if I had to rate this movie I would say I would give it a two out of ten and I know that's a really bad review but I just did not find it scary at all. I thought it was kind of laughable with the things, with the directions it was taken and, you know, what was happening in the movie. And it barely had any jump scares, so that didn't really add to the excitement. And honestly, it was mostly just disturbing. The topic was extremely weird, and it was just in all very, very disturbing. I just, I wasn't expecting a lot of the things, and I wasn't expecting the mother to look the way that he or she did. So you'll, you'll find out. And, but yeah, I would, if you're bored, I would definitely recommend watching this movie. It's, it's kind of funny in some ways. So it's not supposed to be, but to me it was. But if you're relatively new to scary movies, I would recommend seeing this. It is extremely weird, but it's also kind of gets you in that, in the feeling for, for scary movies. It, it gets you used to it basically. So I would, I would recommend seeing this if you're bored on a weekend or just bored during the day. And it's, it's relatively, it has a lot of aspects to it that, you know, keeps your attention. But I wouldn't say that it's necessarily scary if you love scary movies like me. All right, guys. Well, I hope you guys watch this. And yeah, so thank you guys so much. And I will see you guys next week.
Hello, KALA listeners. This is Anna Vary with KALA This Week. This past Tuesday, October 25th, KALA-FM partnered with the Quad Cities K-9 Assistance Network for the KALA and K-9s event. This event was held in the Hive here on campus. At this event, five therapy dogs and their handlers came to campus to provide care, assistance, and a friendly face to all SAU students. The therapy dogs that came to campus were of all breeds, shapes, and colors, making this event welcoming to all dog lovers. One dog that I got the privilege to meet was Barry. Barry is an 87-pound chocolate lab. He is fun-loving and affectionate and greets everyone with his big smile. After talking with Barry's handlers, I found out that Barry works mostly with college students, making Barry an honorary fighting bee. Another dog that I got to meet was Finn. Finn is a four-year-old Irish doodle. Finn's handler told me that Finn loves being outdoors, going on long walks, and getting a heaping spoonful of peanut butter. Finally, I got to meet Nala. Nala is a four-year-old golden retriever. She loves playing with tennis balls, playing with her fur friends, and taking naps. Nala also is a huge fan of belly rubs. Her harness, which she wears to indicate that she is friendly and able to pet, reads, belly rub please. (laughs) Every student that met Nala was able to give her a good belly rub and also experience her calming and peaceful demeanor. Now you may be wondering, about the organization that all of these therapy dogs are a part of. The Quad Cities Canine Assistance Network is the only American Kennel Club certified therapy dog organization in the Quad Cities area. They provide education, continuous training, and a certification for all dogs seeking to become a therapy dog. Their mission is to train highly skilled therapy dogs and their handlers so that they can volunteer within our community in order to enrich the lives of others. You can find QC Can Therapy Dogs in most settings throughout the community. Libraries, nursing homes, school campuses, and community events are some of the most popular locations. If you are interested in meeting some of the therapy dogs that SAU students had the opportunity to meet, you have lucked out. Tomorrow, October 29th, the City of Moline is hosting their spectacular Trunk or Treat from 3 to 5 p.m. There, you will have the opportunity to meet QC Can Therapy Dogs dressed in costume. The therapy dogs and their handlers will also be passing out candy. This event is a great opportunity for anyone available to meet and interact with the furry friends St. Ambrose students got to meet on Tuesday. If you are interested in learning more about the Quad Cities Canine Assistance Network or interested in donating to their work, I highly suggest that you check out their website at www.qccan.org or their Instagram at qc underscore can. Thank you so much, KALA listeners, for tuning in to this week's episode of KALA This Week. Once again, my name is Anna Vary, and I'm signing off. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back into the sports segment of KALA This Week. I'm Ryan Schistel. In this week's segment, I will be discussing men's soccer, women's soccer, women's volleyball, and then men's football here around St. Ambrose and on KALA, starting with men's soccer. The men's soccer team has officially finished their season on a four-game losing streak, so they end their season with an overall record of four wins, ten losses, and two draws, and then a conference record of three wins, seven losses, and two draws. 
Most recently, the men's soccer team lost in their final game of the season at home against Governor State by a score of 6 to nothing. Outside of that, the Bees lost this past Saturday, October 22nd, to Trinity International 1 to nothing. So, this men's soccer team finishes their season with a record that is 6 games under that 500 mark and with that 3 win, 7 loss and 2 draw finish, in the conference, the Bees end in 10th place. The winner of the CCAC Men's Soccer Conference this year was Olivet Nazarene, who went 8-0-3 in the conference. But for the Bees, it was just really a disappointing season, and it was a team that could really never catch any sort of fire and run off with a winning streak. It was just a team that was kind of dormant all year and kind of laid down in the water and just kind of took their beatings when they needed to. Because in a lot of the games that they lost, they lost by multiple goals. Just, I mean, I'm going back through their schedule right now. We have 4 nothing, 4 1, 4 1, and those are all three games in a row. More 4 1, 6 nothing losses. So I think this Bees team is going to really have to regroup and come back next year a lot better if they want a better chance at winning the conference, making it to the national tournament, and competing for a national championship. Because I know a lot of the guys on the soccer team, and I can tell you a 4-win and 10-loss season is not what this Bees team was expecting, and they expect a lot more out of themselves next year. And I think that this is a team that can definitely bounce back and have a better season next year. I mean, when you look at their home-and-away splits, at home the Bees men's team had one win, five losses, and two draws. So when you're only winning one game at home, it's definitely not what you want, especially when you have that crowd behind you. And it's a team that, you know, you're not traveling, you're not on the buses for a few hours, but, you know, 1-5-2 and two at home is just unacceptable for this team. And then they had an away record of three wins and five losses, so a little bit better, but still in that under 500 mark. So this is definitely just a team that is going to have to bounce back next year and really try to make a run for the conference and not just lay there and kind of take their beatings against better opponents. Up next, it is women's soccer, and unlike men's soccer, the women's soccer team has been doing quite well for themselves. The women's soccer team has an overall record of 10 wins, 3 losses, and 3 ties for a win percentage of 71.9%, and then a conference record of 9 wins, 1 loss, and 2 ties for a win percentage of 83.3%. At home, the women's soccer team has 7 wins, 0 losses, and 1 draw, and then an away record of 3 wins, 3 losses, and 2 draws. Most recently for the women's soccer team, they faced off against Governor State this past Wednesday, October 26th, in a game that they won 5 to nothing. In that game, the Bees scored four goals in the first half and one goal in the second, and scoring was all over the place. A bunch of different girls scored in this game. Taylor DeSplinter started off scoring in the eighth minute of the game with an unassisted shot to put the Bees up one to nothing, and then it was DeSplinter again in the 19th minute that put in a header from a corner kick off of the foot of Caitlin Brunson that made it two to nothing early in the game. Then, in the 24th minute, it was Alyssa Schickner who put in an unassisted goal to make it 3 to nothing, and Natalie Miller scored a goal with an assist from Abigail Goff in the 25th minute to make it 4 to nothing. Then, scoring kind of died down for the rest of the game until the 86th minute, where it was Kendall Went getting the unassisted goal to finish off scoring at 5 to nothing for the Bees. In total, the Bees took 35 shots in the game and put 20 of them on goal. 
Gabby Smola, the goalie for Governor State, was able to save 15 out of the 20 shots she faced. So she does save 75% of the shots, which isn't bad. But obviously, I think Governor State would be much happier if the Bees aren't putting 20 shots on goal in a game. Then Rachel Willette was in goal for the Bees, and she only faced one shot on goal in the entirety of the soccer match. She saved that goal, and Willette is just another one of those soccer players for this woman's team that has stepped up so well this season, and when you see a stat like, oh, you're only facing one shot and you're able to save it, or in games where she's facing eight shots on goal and she's still saving six to seven of them, I mean, that is just such an impressive stat line to have. And Willette has definitely been a leader. She's been named the CCAC Player of the Week multiple times throughout this season. And it's definitely a young lady who deserves all of that credit. So it's a great job by her to really help lead this Bees team. In the CCAC Women's Soccer standings, the Bees are right there looking to see if they can win this conference in the regular season. The Bees, like I said, have a conference record of nine wins, one loss, and two draws. So that gives them a whopping 29 points in the conference. And that's only two points behind Cardinal Stritch and Olivet Nazarene, who are both 10-1-1, and they each are tied for 31 points leading the conference. So the Bees are right there, and I know that they have a chance to really win this conference when I'm talking to soccer players on this woman's team like Mary Evans, you know, she said she knows it's going to be tough with how good that those other two opponents are to still win this conference, but she is all the faith in the world in her team. So she definitely thinks the Bees can get it done. I think the Bees can get it done. Coming up in the women's soccer world, the team will face off tomorrow against Bellevue, October 29th at 2 p.m. at the Papillion Landing in Bellevue, Nebraska. And then the Bees will finish off their season next Tuesday, November 1st, at Calumet in East Chicago. So it's going to be two great games, and if the Bees can win them both, I really like their chances of winning this conference. Bellevue, not a conference opponent, but it would still be huge for the Bees to win this game. And then Calumet, they close it out on the road with a conference opponent, and if they win that and they can get boosted up, and then Olivet and Cardinal Stretch lose... I believe that the Bees would win the conference, and that would just be huge for the women's soccer program. And again, it's definitely a team that I think can get it done. Up next, it's women's volleyball, where the women's volleyball team is sitting in an 18-7 overall record for a 72-win percentage. And then the team has a conference record of 10-2 for an 83.3-win percentage. At home, the women's volleyball team has a record of 6-1, and one, an away record of 7-4, and four, and then a neutral record of 5-2. and two. Most recently for the women's volleyball team, they faced off against Judson this past Tuesday, winning their match three games to none. It was 25-21 in the first set, 25-23 in the second set, and 25-17 in the third set. So really commanding victories for this B's women's volleyball team. The team also had senior night yesterday, October 27th. I'll have more on that match next week when the official scores are posted. The Bees faced off against Hannibal LaGrange at 7 o'clock p.m. Again, it was senior night at the Lee Loman Arena, and the place was jumping, and it was just a great atmosphere. 
Looking forward, the Bees will play tomorrow at Cardinal Stritch in Milwaukee, Wisconsin at 11 a.m., and then they will play next Monday, October 31st, at Calumet in Whiting, Indiana. Again, these are two games that the Bees can most definitely win, and if they can, they're just going to boost themselves up even higher in the conference standings. When it comes to the Women's Volleyball Conference standings, St. Xavier is leading the CCAC with an record of 12-1, and and then the Bees are only a game and a half back, sitting at 10-2. and So the Bees are in the lone possession of second place. They're hungry for that first place spot. And what's huge is to start the month of November on November 1st, so next Tuesday, the Bees take on St. Xavier at Lee Loman Arena here in Davenport. So I highly suggest that everybody comes out and watches these two teams face off because it is just going to be action-packed. It's going to be filled with excitement, and I think the Bees can pull it out. I think the Bees can win this conference for sure with how well they've been playing this year. So I'd love to see the Bees win it. It's just it's going to be a fun rest of the season for the women's volleyball team. The final sport I have to talk about in this segment of KALA this week is the football team who has a record of 2-5 and five overall with a conference record of 2-2. Two and two. Most recently, the Bees lost to St. Francis of Illinois at Joliet Memorial Stadium in Joliet, 34-10. David Meyer and I were on the call from Joliet in that game, and it was just a game that the Bees could get nothing going. They scored three points in the first half entirely. The three points came in the second quarter with a 48-yard field goal from Joe Namio, and then the Bees couldn't score again until the fourth quarter, putting up one touchdown. In that game, Tom Casey went 23 for 40 passing, a long of 51 yards. He had one touchdown and two interceptions. And then Caden King had 21 rushes for 63 yards. He had a long of 32, but only averaged three yards a run. And out of the backs, King, Boye, and Hall, King had 21 of the 25 rushes for this Bees team. I'd love to see the coaching staff and the players really kind of mix it up and have more of a rotation going, keep fresh legs on the field, because this running team for the Bees can be extremely dangerous. Sherrod Dinaj, the wide receiver, had two receptions for 19 yards, a long of 17. He was the B that can be credited with the touchdown catch from Tom Casey in this game. Again, like I said, Joe Namio, one for one on field goals, 48 yards, and then one for one on extra points. So he totals up four points for the Bees in this game. And 48, I am 99% sure, is Namio's career long. So it's great to see him have just that booming leg still and just see that he's improving day in, day out to really just keep his length going when it comes to field goals. So the Bees are in the Mid-States Football Association, and they are in the Midwest League. The Bees currently sit in fifth place of the conference in the Midwest League. It's St. Xavier sitting at the 11 national ranking, who is undefeated. St. Francis is receiving votes. They're undefeated in the conference. And then Roosevelt, the team that the Bees play, who is 6-1 overall, is 3-1 in conference. So... This week's contest between Roosevelt and the Bees could be a huge upset for the Bees if they can pull it off. 
The game will be played tomorrow, October 29th at 1 o'clock p.m. here in Davenport at Brady Street Stadium. Bees fans need to show out for this game. And this isn't this can't be one of those games where, you know, Bees fans come until halftime, they watch the band, they watch the cheerleading performance, then everybody just kind of disperses and leaves. No, this is a game that everybody needs to stay for because I think that this could be an upset alert. It's going to be very challenging for the Bees with how well Roosevelt plays, but it could definitely be an upset alert this week, and I'm really looking forward to it. Luke Vera is making his KALA debut. He'll be going doing color commentary. I'll be on the play-by-play call on Saturday. And then on Sunday, the undefeated JV football team is traveling to Augustana, so right across the river in Rock Island. Uh, that game will be played October 30th, so Sunday at 2 o'clock p.m., And again, I am 99% sure that KALA will be on the call for that game. It's always going to be nice to try to get at least one JV football game in, especially when the team is undefeated and Augustana is such a big rival in the Quad Cities. So it's going to be a great game. That David Meyer will be doing play-by-play. I'll be on color commentary for that one. So definitely watch out for two football games this weekend here on KALA. That's all the time and all the sports I have to talk about for this week's segment of KALA This Week. Again, don't forget to tune in this weekend for the football games between St. Ambrose against Roosevelt and against Augustana. It's going to be a great weekend of St. Ambrose sports. It's going to be a great fall term for St. Ambrose sports from here on out. I'm Ryan Schistel. Go Bees! Thank you for listening to the seventh installment of KALA This Week. All content was written and recorded by Anna Berry, McKenna Verdon, Abby Varkalis, Sierra Mari, Ryan Schistel, and Bailey Winfrey. Thank you to our executive producer, Dave Baker. Thank you for listening to KALA This Week. We will be back next Friday at 4 p.m., and we hope you have a safe and happy Halloween.